You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, where I go to fulfill my fantasy. Football desires with expert opinions, advice, and analysis that you can't find anywhere else. Our first GOAT of the week for week 11 is Dak Prescott. Really coming into his own. The, the Cowboys are using him more and more in the in, in throwing the ball around. And not that the phased out Ezekiel Elliott, because he's, he's a talent in and in of himself. But they're throwing the ball like crazy no matter who they play. And Dak Prescott is putting up some impressive numbers. I mean, he's 29 for 46, 444 yards, three touchdowns against this Lions defense. And and I know it's the Lions defense. They're not the greatest defense, but it's still impressive what Dak Prescott is doing. And the reason why I say that is, you know, Michael Gallup almost had 10 catches. He had about nine catches, 148 yards. Randall Cobb consecutively has had a couple good games that we'll get into later. But Amari Cooper only had three catches for 38 yards. And then for Prescott to throw for 444 with the number one receiver not really being involved is a testament to how well he's playing this year. And, uh, yeah, if anything, I was on the fence about Prescott's upside in this game just because with Driscoll and the Lions, I figured the Cowboys would be dominating the Lions they didn't. The Lions actually made this a pretty good game, and uh, the the Cowboys had to, uh, uh, you know, had to keep scoring, and uh, hence Dak throwing the ball around everywhere. Uh, it was a good uh, game flow for him to be getting those stats, and uh, he made he made two of them. So good for him. The next goat at quarterback. This one's a little more obvious, as it was predicted that he was going to have a huge game just based off his opponent. But Jimmy Garoppolo, he threw for 424 yards, 34 out of 45, and had four touchdowns. He did have the two picks, but, I mean, you throw for, you know, 400 yards and, and four touchdowns, picks are going to be part of the equation usually. So, you know... Jimmy Garoppolo just looked great. Um, even in close, uh, you knew Debo Samuel was going to be a big part of that game, and he was. He didn't score, but uh, Ross Dwelly, who was our tight end uh, pickup last week that uh, we were telling everyone to pick up due to the George Kittle injury, really was a, a red zone target for Garoppolo. And, you know, Jimmy's looked great these last couple of uh weeks and it's really if he has a great matchup you need to be playing him because he's he's showing that with these great matchups he can get the uh the the yards and the scores that you need to win the game and I I just think in total the 49ers offense is just looking more I know the, the continuity is it's really getting there uh early on in the year you know they were t- the top rushing team they have they have great running backs and, and the passing game was kind of lagging behind. Passing game starting to catch up, and the Forty ers are going to be a dangerous team now, with uh, both the the rushing attack and the 
the, the passing uh, kind of, you know, there to balance out their offense. It's just kind of weird, though, because they don't have them both simultaneously during a game. It's either the uh, 49ers offense is clicking through the air or it's clicking on the ground, and very rarely, uh, actually you haven't seen it this year, where they're both clicking at the same time. So uh, they've gone full-blown into one or the other to uh, win the game, but it's uh, refreshing that they can do that and, and still get the, you know, the victory no matter what they decide game plan-wise. Kirk Cousins, he is up on our GOATs of the week. 319 yards and three touchdowns against Denver. And Denver's kind of a tricky team. There's And we've talked about this on the podcast before. They really have a lot of talent on that defense. They just haven't scheme-wise put it together. And you're looking for some big outings by quarterbacks against them. But uh, I didn't expect Kirk Cousins to be one of them because Kirk Cousins has been good on the good matchups that he has and not so good on the not so good matchups that he has and, and that's not to say with Denver that they were you know horrible matchup for Cousins but uh, I mean I think he had the advantage of being at home um, but yeah he he definitely was able to find anyone he wanted you know Rudolph actually scored more from more than uh, five yards out uh, Stefan Diggs, he was scoring some touchdowns, or a touchdown, but he was a big part of the the passing attack, which he hasn't been with uh, Thielen being hurt. So uh, the Vikings really spread it around, and they were kind of in a situation where they had to pass the ball because they got in a huge hole against Denver. And for Denver to en- end up blowing that game after that lead uh, was baffling and uh, good, good on the Vikings to... Uh, you know, to come back and do what they did. But uh, also on the other end, bad for Denver to let that happen like they did. But Kirk Cousins definitely uh, reaping the rewards of that uh, that, that game flow of uh, having to chuck the ball the whole second half. And he, you know, had, had a great game. Next go on our list, Sam Darnold, our main man. We've been building him up for weeks since he came back saying that he was due to have a big game and especially with the injuries on the Jets it's been a slow process but uh, the week schedule that they have the second half of the season Darnold was due to throw up some big numbers and he did against Washington he was 19 for 30 293 yards four touchdowns he did have that one pick but all could be forgiving with those uh, four touchdowns and Sam darn told to pick up Darnold for this week and unfortunately I had him on my bench but man did he blow it up against the Redskins and I know you you can't get too excited about a quarterback doing this against the Redskins defense and how dysfunctional Washington is this year but it's just good to see and it was another one that you know spreading the ball around uh, to everybody Ryan Griffin had a great game. Crowder had a good game. You know, Le'Veon Bell had an all right game. So this uh, Jets offense definitely can come alive with uh, with, with some of these matchups that uh, that they have. And uh, it's good to see because they're going to have more of that coming up for the, the rest of the year. And, and I would even say that Darnold would be a good backup quarterback to pick up for the playoffs 
as uh, their schedule is, is, is pretty good. And on top of that, if you have an injury at the quarterback position, he, he might be able to fill in and get you those, uh, those lost points. This next go on the list, we actually have a lot of quarterbacks this week. It seemed to be a, the week of the quarterback. All the quarterbacks really kind of blew it up. Running backs, not so much. It definitely was it was a passing week. But this next one, I don't take a lot of pleasure in saying that Josh Allen ripped it up, mostly because, I mean, it was against the Dolphins, and he was due. But Josh Allen's such a unique player in regards to you really are depending on his rushing yards to uh, get production most of the time. And for what he did through the uh, through the air against Miami was just pretty impressive. 21 for 33, 256 yards, three touchdowns, two to John Brown. And uh, then he also rushed for about 56 yards and a touchdown. So he had an all-around amazing day. I, he was a top performer at quarterback in fantasy, to be honest. And... You know, it just it just wasn't fair. And these are the type of games you've been expecting from Josh Allen with how easy the Bills schedule has been. But, you know, for one reason or the other, he just wasn't getting it done or putting it together. And this game he definitely did. So it's promising for, you know, his, some of his future matchups. And uh, definitely a name to keep an eye on with, uh, with how he's uh, able to you know, how he was able to throw the ball and, and, and hit John, John Brown. I think that was the most impressive thing was we were waiting for that John Brown, Josh Allen connection to uh, produce some of those big plays. And, and they were, granted, it was the Dolphins. So, you know, you don't get too excited about that. But we seem to have a lot of teams this year that are kind of just down in the dumps. And any quarterback, you know, playing these teams is, is an exciting matchup. I mean, you have the Giants, the Redskins, the Dolphins, the Bengals, uh, you know, Jets. It's just, yeah, it's out of control of the amount of uh, bad teams that are uh, just have wet paper towel defenses that uh, quarterbacks can do whatever they want to this year. And I'm saving the best for last. Lamar Jackson, he's just from another planet with how he's playing, it's he's just so impressive. He's definitely should be MVP this year. I know Russell Wilson's having a great season, and, you know, we, we just talked about Dak Prescott, but Lamar Jackson is just, man, he's he's changing the game this year with, uh, I, I mean, he's, he's just like a, I don't know, like a Madden-created player. He's able to run wherever he wants to, throw wherever he wants to, and he's just so efficient. Like, they don't necessarily throw the ball a ton. I mean, he was 17 for 24 for 222 yards, but he had four touchdowns doing it. And on top of that, you know, he ran the ball nine times for 86 yards. He's just, it's it's not fair what he's able to do to defenses, and, and he's, you know, no one's been able to really contain him. In this matchup against Houston, where you know you thought it was going to be a good game with uh, two first place teams, and the Ravens just annihilated Houston. I mean, it wasn't a game. They, Houston wasn't able to do anything, and Lamar Jackson just you know basically put his 
foot on their on Houston's throat and uh, ended that game very quickly. Good for him and for fantasy owners, and I, he's one of the most in, impressive players to watch this year for sure. Let's start off with the first GOAT for the running back position. And it's somebody that most people probably never even heard of until after Sunday. And, and it's Jonathan Williams for the Colts. 13 rushes, 116 yards. He didn't score, but man, uh, he just came out of nowhere. And he actually, with Marlon Mack getting hurt, it, it's intriguing for you know picking him up as maybe Marlon Mack's handcuff because he looked so efficient behind that Colts offensive line and he was able to do whatever he wanted and, and Jacksonville's not a pushover defense um, they're not as good as their defenses of the past but they're still not a, a, a pushover and Williams just made it look too easy in that matchup my next running back for goats of the week is actually from the same team it is marlon mack before he got hurt he was uh he was annihilating the jacksonville defense as well um he had 109 yards had a touchdown and you know he hurt his hand which for a running back's not a a deal breaker in regards to playing but he he was really strong and was definitely incorporated by that colts offense think they learned some lessons from that Pittsburgh game and really tried to get Mac more involved early on and it worked because uh, he looked amazing and this is the thing about running backs in this uh, in this goat segment we have you know a couple running backs but really there's not a lot of running backs that really blew you away this week and if they did score you know they scored a touchdown maybe you know they got 100 yards and uh, that's that and you know, overall, you had to be disappointed with most of the, the running backs this week in that regard. There just wasn't anyone that just, you know, stood out where, uh, they, you know, head and shoulders above where everyone else was this week. And, and that's disappointing because you don't see too many weeks like that at that position. The next running back on our GOAT segment is Gus Edwards for the Baltimore Ravens. He only had eight rushes but he had, a, had 112 yards and a touchdown against Houston. So he basically just, man, Houston wasn't able to do anything in this game, and the Ravens were just blowing them out, and it really was conducive to the running game. But you figured Ingram would uh, be more involved, and he was. He was involved a lot, but uh, Gus Edwards, he had a 63-yard touchdown run, and has just looked solid every time he's been in there. So you're wondering if he's going to pick up more of a workload with Ingram going forward. And he he seems to be more involved each week, which is, is great for, uh, you know, fantasy owners to maybe get a piece of that committee, but not really that great for Mark Ingram owners as uh, Mark Ingram's having a great year and is definitely uh, putting up bell cow type numbers for the, for fantasy owners who have owned him. But uh uh, Gus Edwards is, is definitely a, a sneaky option going forward. And if anything, is a great handcuff because if anything happens to Ingram, uh, that backfield's going to belong all to Gus Edwards. And uh, it's something else we'll be getting into here shortly. 
last on the list, and it's, it's kind of good to say his name again. Todd Gurley had a great game, and it's just odd because it was against the Bears. So you weren't expecting Gurley to have a Gurley-like performance against the Bears defense, but uh, 25 carries, 97 yards, and a touchdown. And it's just good seeing him get that volume again. I think with the Rams, that's been kind of their problem. And and then with Robert Woods not playing and you don't have Brandon Cooks, it really limited the amount of weapons they had. So they really put it on Gurley's shoulders to, uh, you know, take, lead them to victory. And it makes me nervous saying that uh, the Rams have learned their lesson or Sean McVay has in regards to, you know, you have these great weapons, you need to use them to win more just because of the injury situation with the Rams. But uh, with the way he played and, you know, it was it was like watching Todd Gurley again. And, and I'm hoping that uh, the Rams notice that too and start incorporating him in a, you know, with more volume and, and not trying to put Malcolm Brown or Daryl Henderson in as much to uh, try to preserve Gurley. Let's get right to the receivers. The number one receiver on our list right now is uh, Michael Gallup. We talked about it earlier with Dak. Had nine catches for 148 yards. The caveat to that is he didn't score, but uh, he was targeted a lot. Had a great stat line. Man, if he could only get a couple of the scores, it definitely would have uh, added to uh, Michael Gallup's already amazing day. But uh, he he's a more consistent receiver in Dallas and is putting up the uh, the better points. And this last game, he was, yeah, he was all over the place. He was catching everything. So um, good news moving forward with Gallup. Um, but... At the same time, not so good this last week in regards to him not scoring touchdowns. He definitely makes our goat of the week for being the, uh, the, the having the most yards at the, the receiver position this week. Next receiver on our list for the goats is Calvin Ridley. Had eight catches for 143 yards. Got the touchdown against Carolina. And, man, the Falcons look good against the Panthers. And what I think you're starting to see for the Falcons is, you know, Mohamed Sanu is no longer on the team, getting traded to the Patriots. Austin Hooper is hurt and not out there. So you're really starting to see that volume go over to Calvin Ridley. And in his defense, he's making the most of it. He looked he looked great, and I'm, I think it's a good sign for things to come as long as Hooper is out that uh, they're going to – be using those targets towards uh, Ridley's way and this you know he put uh, up those numbers 143 yards with the game really being kind of out of hand early the Falcons jumped to a pretty big lead and their defense was just dominating Carolina in fact Carolina only scored three points and it just baffles my mind because McCaffrey still did McCaffrey things and they just weren't able to score and it didn't help with uh, Kyle Allen's four interceptions but uh, on the other side with the Falcons, you know, really just is showing to uh, showing some of the things he showed last year. But he's looking more reliable and uh, looks like he'll be more involved in the offense going forward, which is really good to see for fantasy owners. Next on our list is Mr. John Brown. 
Mr. Brown is out of town. If uh, the Hop on Pop book. He uh, had a day, and it was great to see because I think this is what you're waiting for on John Brown on, on some of these matchups that he's had. But nine catches, 137 yards, two touchdowns against Miami. We, we talked about Josh Allen earlier. John Brown was the recipient of those uh, of those throws and, you know, again, accounted for most of those touchdowns. Uh, John Brown is just a beast in Buffalo and definitely a weapon and had a great game against Miami. And, you know, like we talked about with Josh Allen, schedule kind of opens up for Buffalo. They don't have a tough schedule, so he can be a great play through the playoffs, which is really encouraging for fantasy owners moving forward. Next on the list for the GOATs of the week, DJ Chark. Uh, DJ Chark, DJ Chark, eight catches, 104 yards, two TDs against the Colts. DJ Chark doing DJ Chark things. I think the scary thing of him coming in against the Colts was the fact that you were worried about Foles playing quarterback and if he would get as many targets as he did with Minshew being quarterback. And that was put the rest because Chark got more targets and got more catches and is becoming, I don't know, he's he's just a stud receiver, top five receiver this season. And for him, you know, two touchdowns was just really impressive. And I think his upside is even better now with Foles. And definitely, uh, you know, wasn't even drafted at the beginning of the year. So whoever was able to pick him up definitely is reaping the rewards and, and pretty happy they were able to find a player like him without having to draft him. The last receiver to make the GOATS list is Marvin Jones. He uh, is on the list because he scored two touchdowns against Dallas. He only got four catches for 53 yards, but Marvin Jones is just a scoring touchdown machine, and I think that gives him 10 on the year. It's it's amazing. He, He didn't necessarily have a great matchup either, but... Still gets in the end zone, which definitely helps in fantasy. So if you're a Marvin Jones owner right now, you're starting him no matter who he's playing and, and feeling good about it. But, uh, and this is with Driscoll being his quarterback too. So, you know, Marvin Jones deserves to be on here just for that alone. He deserves to be on there because Driscoll is his quarterback and he just scores two touchdowns. So, uh, again, Dallas really disappointing but it it could just be because Marvin Jones is that talented of a receiver this year Mark Andrews is our goat at tight end against Houston he got four catches 75 yards and a touchdown doing very Mark Andrew things Uh, it doesn't always wow you but uh, he's overall uh, he's pretty consistent with uh, the yardage Uh, the touchdown obviously helps and uh, hasn't this was actually a pretty good week for tight ends in general. Uh, definitely way better than the running backs. Uh, there just seemed to be a lot more uh, production from the tight end position this week than in other weeks. And it definitely showed. You know, Kyle Rudolph is another one. He's scored in like f- four or five straight games. 
he had five catches, 67 yards, and a touchdown against Denver. And what was intriguing about this one was, if you remember last week, he didn't get a lot of yards, but he got the touchdowns and the two-point conversion. And this one, I mean, this touchdown was pretty significant. Um, so it was good to see him score from a little farther out. And, you know, they, they continue to go to Kyle Rudolph with Adam Thielen being out. And a total turnaround from the beginning of the year for Kyle Rudolph where he looked like a fantasy afterthought, and now he's a must-have at the tight end position. Uh, Ryan Griffin, which was one of our pickups. And actually, man, Rudolph Griffin, Dwelly, all these guys were our pickups, and, and they all make the GOAT list this week. So uh, hopefully you uh, listened to that advice about picking them up because if you did, you really reap the rewards because – they all had monster games. Uh, Ryan Griffin had five catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown against Washington. You know, he's doing the things we thought Chris Herndon was going to do when he came back from uh, suspension and injury, and obviously that never transpired. So Griffin just was decided to do it himself because he's uh, productive, and now that uh, Herndon's out of the way, you really need to get some of Griffin because He's uh this isn't a one week anomaly. He's actually been pretty good for the last three or four weeks and and been pretty consistent. So, uh, Darnold's definitely looking his way, and you need to look his way as well. Uh, Ross Dwelly, you know, George Kittle was hurt. Forty ers love looking at the tight end position. Uh, the Cardinals are the worst defense at uh, defending the tight end. All the stars aligned for this one. He only had 14 yards, but he had two touchdowns. And anytime a tight end can get two touchdowns, I mean, that's that's more than what you need at that position. So, you know, to get 13 points with uh, the two touchdowns, is uh, you'll, you'll take it every day. And uh, Russ Dwelly is definitely a must-start uh, if George Kittle is out. So as long as George Kittle's gone, Dwelly all day. Uh, but uh, once Kittle comes back, you don't need to dwelly on this. Uh, you know, uh, it makes him non uh, insignificant, and uh, obviously Kittle's the guy again. But uh, enjoy the ride while it lasts, because he'll he'll put up some numbers while uh, while Kittle's gone, especially against some of these really weak matchups. Let's get into our ghosts of the week. So we talked about all the goats, the the ones who've had great performances last week. Let's talk about the ones that didn't have such great performances last week, and, and some were kind of crippling because you expected big things from them. Uh, first one, Deshaun Watson. You know, I'm mixed about this because, you know, you expect big things because it's Deshaun Watson. But the Ravens' secondary, since Jimmy Smith came back and they traded for Marcus Peters, has been pretty outstanding. And Deshaun Watson wasn't able to get anything going. And especially with Will Fuller being hurt, um, there really wasn't a lot there for the Texans. 18 for 29, 169 yards and an interception. Uh, that was Deshaun's stat line. And, you know, Deshaun Watson's a must-start every week, but he, there's definitely outliers uh, and more than you would like in regards to his production he's had some stinky weeks where uh you know 
that's something you don't want from one of your uh, top quarterbacks. And if if you're a Deshaun Watson owner, I you you do have some losses because of Deshaun Watson's performances. But you know this one against the Ravens, it was a great, uh, well, it was a tough matchup. You know, with the Ravens doing so well on defense right now, and you know Deshaun Watson has you know doesn't have as many weapons right now that he's working with. So uh, it's one of those things where. You weren't surprised, but you were still disappointed. Uh, Jared Goff, now, this is definitely not surprising. Against the Bears, 11 for 18, 173 yards, had the interception. And if you look at Jared Goff right now, he's just, you know, you learned he's terrible on the road, but he's he's not good against good defenses. And, you know, he, he really relies on those great matchups that he has. And that's troubling for a Rams offense that's so talented that they just need someone consistent at the quarterback position. And Jared Goff this year, you know, he gave you some of that last year, but Jared Goff this year is not any of those things and just not meeting expectations. He had a a stinky week, but uh, Tom Brady, 26 for 47, 216 yards against the Eagles. You actually expected a big day from Tom Brady. Eagles, you know, their pass defense was horrible. Anyone could have passed against them. And Tom Brady didn't even get a touchdown. The touchdown pass was from Julian Edelman. Uh, So, you know, it's sad to see the touchdown pass not even go to Tom Brady. And with the Eagles defense, you're really starting to see them come together and, and play a lot better. And their secondary is not, uh, you know, everyone keeps trying to do starts against the Eagles' defense, especially through the passing game um, due to their early exploits of, uh, you know, being injury-ridden. But now everyone's back healthy, and they're a more solid unit. And, you know, you can't really pick on these Eagles anymore through the air as, as much as you could before. And... Now let's go to our mainstay at quarter or of our ghost at quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. I feel like he's on here every week, and I think we'll get a re, uh, a reprieve or a respite next week because he has allegedly got hurt, which we'll talk about later. But uh, with his hip, but he was twenty four for forty three, hundred ninety yards, one touchdown, one interception against the Rams. It was definitely a Mitchell Trubisky-type performance. It's just those are becoming the norm, and it's becoming very troubling in Chicago. Uh, he is not looking like the answer at all, and is just, man, Chicago has to make a move here soon and do something because they're not going to be a playoff team with the, uh, the way their offense is performing all year. Mason Rudolph, speaking of bad offenses, the Steelers' offense is just horrid. I haven't seen anything so ugly in football this year. 23 of 44 for 221 yards. Had a touchdown, but four interceptions against the Browns. And, man, Steelers actually win that game if uh, Mason Rudolph doesn't turn the ball over. But, I mean, some of his throws were just right to the defense. And I, I give him credit for trying. You can see that he uh, 
stands in there, uh, takes takes it serious, um, doesn't mope, keeps you know going back out there trying to make things happen, but then they're just not happening, and he's not able to make them happen. So, you know, this was a, a decent matchup where you thought Mason Rudolph might do something, and he did far from anything in that game. Uh, Kyle Allen, I think this is one of the biggest disappointments of the week. You know, Trubisky, you know he's going to be uh, on the ghost list every single week. But Kyle Allen against the Falcons, you just were, you know, had grandeur numbers in your head of what Kyle Allen was going to do to this defense with the Falcons. And he was everyone's start of the week for quarterback. And rightfully so. I mean, the stats backed it up that Kyle Allen should have a great game. But uh, 31 for 50 for 325 yards and four interceptions. And that's pretty much the story of the game with the uh, Panthers just getting handed uh, by the Falcons. Their their defense was just dominant. And if it wasn't for McCaffrey, I don't think the Panthers would have done much of anything the whole day. And, and they still couldn't score. So saying that, it's not like the Panthers did a lot of scoring. You know, they got their field goal. So uh, we'll move right along to the running back or ghosts of the week. The first ghost at running back is Tevin Coleman. He rushed the ball 12 times, which, you know, with the uh, amount of weapons that the 49ers have is okay. But uh, he only got 14 yards. And then on top of that, he got four targets, but uh, had three catches for 48 yards. So Tevin Coleman did very un-Tevin Coleman-like things against Arizona, where you thought the matchup was there and he would be a good start. And it was definitely disappointing. And with Bredis being hurt, you expected more of a role for Tevin Coleman. And you just didn't get it. Uh, Leonard Fournette for the Jaguars, 8 for 23 yards. He caught all of his targets and had seven catches for 34 yards. So, you know, you, you get those 50-something points together for Leonard Fournette against the Colts, and it just left a lot to be desired. You were expecting, you know, a, a bigger game from Leonard Fournette, and it just didn't uh, matriculate the way that you wanted it to. David Montgomery for the Bears. Now, this is another issue, is even when they try to run, they're just not getting anywhere and and Montgomery's a pretty decent back and he's just not able to get it going and this has been for a couple weeks in a row now he had 14 runs for 31 yards and then only had one catch for 19 against the Rams the Rams are a decent defense but uh you know you wanted to believe in Montgomery and I think a lot of owners were at least saved because they were the evening games and he was a game-time decision with his uh, ankle injury. So you were thinking that he might not play. You might have started a earlier time slot guy. Um, but if you held, hung in there and were hoping that he played and, and started him, you were definitely disappointed. But I think that had something to play uh, into his uh, uh, production from, uh, from Sunday. Frank Gore, it's not that big of a deal for Frank Gore because you know that Singletary's starting to take more of the workload but uh 11 carries is still significant and he should have a lot more than 27 yards on those 11 carries um i think 
anyone could almost get 27 yards on if they got 11 carries. Uh, just with decent blocking, you get 27 yards. Uh, and he only had the one catch for 18 yards. And the thing about it was he's playing the Dolphins, so they were pretty susceptible to the rush, and uh, Gore wasn't able to make it happen. So you're definitely disappointed, and, and you know you played them, or you played Gore if he was playing the Dolphins. Uh, the human PlayStation is on the list again. Sony Michelle, 10 carries, 33 yards, and then two catches for 11 yards. Um, I just don't know what to make of the human PlayStation this year. He is, he's not getting it done. And, the, you know, Eagles matchup was all right. You, you expected bigger things from him. And, you know, especially this late into the fantasy football season, uh, you might have given up on him already. And you would be right to give up on him. But if you played him, that means you're, you're still thinking that he can, you know, he has potential to put up those numbers. And he just proves to you week in, week out, that he's not going to be that guy that you want him to be, no matter how high you drafted him, thinking he was going to, to do something for your team. Uh, Brian Hill for the Falcons. Um, he was my big guy because I just thought he ran better. I thought he caught the ball out of the backfield better. Prime matchup against the Panthers, who can't, uh, can't defend the running back position. And then he goes out and gets 15 carries, which is significant, but only gets 30 yards. And that 30 yards was a killer. On top of that, he only had one catch for eight yards. So he did a whole lot of nothing, as well as the Falcons played. Uh, Brian Hill was not a factor in that, and, and that was disappointing because the Stars were just set up for him to have a big game, and he didn't have a big game. So uh, definitely frustration on that end. Let's go right into receivers. And let's just talk about the elephant in the room. And that's Mohamed Sanu. I had him on my FanDuel. I told everyone to start him. He got four targets, two catches for four yards against the Eagles. And it was a prime matchup. Sanu was targeted a ton his first game. You just figured something was going to happen. But Tom Brady not throwing any touchdowns means that Mohamed Sanu didn't catch any touchdowns. And, you know, that's just the way it goes, but you just expected more from Mohamed Sanu, and you didn't get it. The next person on the list is more of, uh, it's more due to his quarterback play than uh, him himself, but Allen Robinson, you know, he was producing even with Trubisky at first, but now it's just, he, he can't get it going, and I don't blame him. I don't think anyone can get it going at this point on the Bears offense. But uh, he had six targets, but had four catches for 15 yards against the Rams. And really just had, uh, you know, a Mitchell Trubisky-type day uh, of, of him trying to get Allen Robinson the ball. So if you're Allen Robinson, you're not going to say you're frustrated, but you have to be frustrated because, you know, he, he's such a talent. He's able to do things with quarterbacks that are just mediocre, and he can't get this thing going. So you wonder how you know, psychologically how he's, he's handling that because that's, uh, that's tough to uh, week in and week out uh, be an amazing receiver but not being able to, uh, to get the ball in your hands. Curtis Samuel for the, Fal uh, for the Panthers against the Falcons. Four catches, 25 yards on seven targets. Just, yeah, didn't have a great game. And 
And I liked Samuel a lot this week because it was against the Falcons. And the targets, you know, seven targets is all right. Just uh, really pedestrian numbers. Obviously, he didn't go deep very often. A lot of underneath routes and just wasn't able to get much after the catch. So not what you like to see from Samuel. The next one is Emmanuel Sanders. And that has to do more with his injury, I think, production-wise. But uh, he had five targets, had three catches for 33 yards against the Cardinals, and then abruptly left and wasn't uh, wasn't in for the rest of the game. So, you know, that doesn't help in fantasy because you start him and then he ends up getting hurt and being out. And there's definitely probably, uh, well, definitely probably, there, there definitely is some frustrated fantasy owners who uh, put Sanders in there and... Uh, you know, he wasn't able to finish the game. Kenny Galladay, five targets, but only had one catch for 34 yards against Dallas. And Marvin Jones is over there scoring touchdowns, and, and Galladay is over there, you know, getting thrown to, just not getting any catches. Very disappointing if you're a Kenny Galladay owner, uh, although he did have a tough matchup against Dallas. Uh, and last on our list of receivers, Amari Cooper had eight targets, eight but only had three catches for 38 yards against the Lions. And we talked about that when we were talking about uh, Dak Prescott. And, you know, Mark Cooper is what he is at this point. Very inconsistent. Could give you an amazing week, but then at the same token, you know, do nothing like this last Sunday. And uh, overall, if you're a Mari Cooper guy, uh, you had him on your team, you, you can't like... The, the trends with Amari Cooper. One of the more inconsistent receivers that are continually in the, like a top 15 receiver that you'll find. Because he'll have those big games where he just blows it up and then, you know, he has those games where he, he just doesn't do anything. We'll jump right into the tight end ghosts of week 11. This will be really easy because they're just, you know, we had a lot of great tight end performances, but then we had a lot of not so great tight end performances. And overall, uh, with with the tight end play in general, it's been disappointing. But this week was an outlier where it actually th- there was a lot of good performances. And these are the just the guys that uh, definitely didn't meet those expectations. First one, Gerald Everett. Only had one target, caught it, but for 20 yards against the Bears. And that was it. And... You know, Bears aren't great against the tight end position, so you figured that Everett was going to have a pretty big game, especially with uh, Cooks and with Woods being out, and that just never happened. And, yeah, you have to be disappointed. Uh, Darren Fells, he was actually another one that, uh, with Fuller being out and the way Fells has been playing lately, you expected bigger things, even though it was against the Ravens. But he was targeted three times, only had one catch for 18 yards. Not the best performance from Darren Fells, and it probably made you uh, Fells from the standings or the playoffs after uh, starting him this week. TJ Hawkinson made me want to hawk a loogie because he was had two targets, had one catch for six yards, and a lot of people were having him as the start of the week against Dallas. Dallas is also adverse to covering the tight end. Um, but Hawkinson just, at this point, he's a scary play. 
even with these good matchups now, he's not really producing like you need him to. And this is perfect because this kind of is a segue right into my next guy that is definitely a bust of this year and not doing anything. O.J. Howard, he's targeted once. After that one target, he was benched. And to Cameron Bray, who had an amazing week, and O.J. Howard did nothing. So he finally scores against the horrible Cardinals defense on tight end and goes to being benched. And at this point... I think O.J. Howard's a lost cause. Uh, I would cut him. There's way better options than uh, O.J. Howard, and he's just not getting it done on in their offense. And you can tell that Bruce Arians is frustrated with him and uh, has no use to uh, try to give him targets. Last on our list is Jack Doyle. Uh, he had a decent week last uh, last week, but then week 11 rolled around wasn't even targeted the whole game. Now, how does that happen when you don't have T.Y. Hilton? Um, but, yeah, not even being targeted, got a big fat goose egg, and, yeah, it, it's definitely it's disappointing. And I don't, you know, look, looking back on that game in general, I don't, I, I, I don't understand why he wouldn't even get one look, especially with how... Uh, a part of the offense the the Colts tight ends are. Yay! It is time for our pickup segment this week, the most exciting part of the podcast. This is uh, how you make your team better and put yourself in position to uh, for your playoff run, uh, as you should be thinking about the playoffs because playoffs are only a couple weeks away. So, you know, quarterback... I don't like to mention people twice, and this is no, uh, I'm not deviating from that this week, but at QB, Jeff Driscoll for the Lions, he has Washington Redskins next on the slate, and the way he played against the Cowboys was pretty impressive. I was expecting a shellacking, and, you know, I doubled down on that with the FanDuel Cowboys defense. It ended up killing me, and... Driscoll rushed for a touchdown, threw for two touchdowns, and Washington, if you haven't paid attention, is adverse to stopping the quarterback, and so Jeff Driscoll could have a huge game, and especially with, uh, you know, some quarterbacks on a bye week this week, he could be a good fill-in for a week uh, with this matchup that he has. The other quarterback I put on there is Chase Daniel. You might want to pick him up. You know, it's looking less and less likely that uh, the Bears are going to have patience with Mitch Trubisky. And Chase Daniel makes the Bears' offense uh, competent. I won't say it will make it, will make it great or will look like it did last year, but it will at least help people like Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, and who knows? Trey Burton might come out, you know, come back from the dead and 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 show something. But uh, I think it, the offense is in better hands and helps out the other fantasy players. Um, but you definitely need to keep Jeff Daniel on your radar for quarterback, as depending on how the offense performs. I mean, he has a lot of weapons that haven't been used, like you know Anthony Miller and. Uh, you know, Tariq Cohen, you know, they can use him more. Uh, I just think Chase Daniel makes the offense more uh, 
uh, more mediocre than it was before uh, when it was less mediocre. <laughs> or it's more mediocre now. This will make it less mediocre. There we go. Uh, running backs. Bo Scarborough for the Lions. You know, Ty Johnson had, had the concussion. J.D. McKissick had his shot. Didn't really do much. And Scarborough was impressive last week. And, you know, it was against the Cowboys even. And I think moving forward, if Ty Johnson doesn't come back from his concussion, Scarborough, even if Ty Johnson does come back from his concussion, Scarborough might be the running back that they start trying to, to use. And he looked pretty good. And, and it'd be better, you know, if you have room to stash him on your roster, it's better to get him now and stash him to see what is going to be the game plan with them than to lose them later, especially now that the, you know the playoffs are approaching. Jonathan Williams, I you know he's on here because if Marlon Mack is indeed hurt with his hand and he's not able to play, Jonathan Williams is a great pickup. He definitely looks like he is the back to own and the one that would be getting the uh, the, the targets and the the carries in this Colts offense. So. He's one that, you know, should be picked up and, and stashed as well. And Gus Edwards is on here. And I have this because even with Ingram, Gus Edwards has had a couple of big games. And if Ingram were to get hurt or something were to happen to Ingram, Edwards would just, his value would skyrocket. And at this stage of the game, you're being a couple games out of the playoffs it's good to start stashing players that could be significant for your playoff run. And again, if something happens to Ingram, um, everyone's going to be clamoring to get Gus Edwards, and it's just good to have him now and to stash. Uh, Jay Ajayi for the Eagles was just signed back to the Eagles, so he's going to be a thing again. And I think as long as Jordan Howard is hurt, you might start seeing Jay Ajayi in this offense. You know, Howard's hurt, Sproles is hurt, Sanders has proven that he's just a change of pace back. So the workload could be there for Jay Ajayi, and it would be good to uh, pick him up now and uh, and just kind of wait on uh, Howard if he plays or not. Because if Howard's not going to be playing, uh, Ajayi, I think, fills that role of the... Uh, running the the runner between the tackles i have benny snell on here and i've had him on here before but he's been hurt he's coming back this week and james connor is not he got hurt against the browns and it doesn't look like he'll be coming back for this week against the Bengals. and the Bengals are horrible at defending the run and benny snell is you know I shouldn't say he's great at running because we haven't seen it, but uh, he's definitely a between-the-tackles runner that could benefit from uh, playing the Bengals. So he definitely needs to be on your radar. And, and I, I think if he does play, he's going to be the lead back and, and have a, a good game. Uh, moving along to receivers, Randall Cobb. I've been trying to ignore him and trying to ignore him, and I can't ignore him any longer. He's had a string of two games right now where he was a big part of the offense. And I just see that continuing. Uh, pick up Randall Cobb. He's getting the targets. He's getting the yards. And he's getting the touchdowns. 
and he's been more consistent than Amari Cooper these last three or four games, so he's definitely worth an add at this point. Devontae Parker in Miami with Fitzpatrick back there. Uh, Parker's becoming more of a thing, and, you know, he he's obviously not scoring very much, but he's getting those yards, and it's a, a matter of time before he finds the end zone um, on a more consistent basis. Russell Gage for the Falcons. Now, I bring him up because Hooper is hurt and out, and Sanu got traded, and that left Ridley and Jones. Well, the Falcons like to throw to a lot of different options, and Russell Gage is that third receiver, and he's worth owning. With, you know, the Falcons are always behind having to throw the ball, and uh, I think Gage makes an, a, a nice uh, flex player or late season uh, addition to your roster that could pay off dividends. Uh, I put D.D. Westbrook on here because if you're like most people, you probably have given up on him and dropped him. And with Foles, I think his value is uh, he has a lot more upside than he did with Minshew. Uh, Minshew was a great story and, and was decent, but uh, uh, I think Foles is, works the middle of the field better, and that's where Westbrook does most of his work. And uh, it might be time to uh, pick him up, and uh, and especially if Foles is able to uh, help that connection again. It, it, he's going to be a good pickup. And uh, James Washington for the Steelers. I have James Washington on here just because he's the only healthy receiver that potentially is going to be playing against the Bengals, which I want me some James Washington. He has a great uh, rapport with Mason Rudolph already. He's going to be the only receiver that's not hurt. Dante Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster might be out of this game as well you know, as James Conner. So that's a lot of targets that are going to have to go somewhere. And I'm not obviously going to pick the practice squad people. I think those go to James Washington, and he has a big game. And then my last one is Anthony Miller. I put Anthony Miller on there for the Bears because if that quarterback change does happen, I think you're going to start seeing the Anthony Miller of old that had uh, you know, some big playmaking ability in that middle of the field that uh, Trubisky is basically ignoring now. So it's definitely worth keeping an eye on uh, if Chase Daniel is the quarterback. That might really increase the value of an Anthony Miller. Moving along to tight end, we, we talked about the uh, doghouse that is O.J. Howard. Well, on the opposite end of that is Cameron Brait, where he had like 14 targets, I think, last week. It was something ridiculous. And he looks like he's going to be the starting tight end, uh, at least for a couple games. And if he does well, I can foresee it being the rest of the season. The Buccaneers are out on O.J. Howard. Um, they're not out on Cameron Brait. And he's actually, Brait's going to be with the Buccaneers for a while. And... They they definitely use him a lot more than they do O.J. Howard. So it, it's at the point now where I think he's a safe pickup and uh, we'll be getting the volume and the chances to score uh, as all the other tight ends. Uh, Noah Fant is my other one for the Broncos. He's just, you know, he, 
he's picking it up. Quarterback Brandon Allen is looking his way. He just needs to be owned at least as a backup potentially. But uh, he's a playmaker, and uh, he can make some uh, – he can get you some yards and, and some touchdowns, as as you saw uh, a couple weeks ago where he had, like, that 70-yard touchdown. Um, it's just too hard to pass that up at this point. Um, I, I wanted to mention, though, uh, I already kind of did, but last week's tight end pickups were Ryan Griffin, Jacob Hollister, Kyle Rudolph, and Ross Dwelly. Well, they all scored touchdowns, except for Hollister, and that was, that was because Hollister was on a bye. So really... Uh, just wanted to point that out because the uh, if you really listen to these pickups, uh, you're going to have some great rewards uh, in, for your team in regards to touchdowns and yards. Um, and it's just uh, crazy to have all four be top-notch pickups all in the first week of being mentioned. And Hollister is coming off the bye, so he'll be really a, a good pickup for this coming up week if he's not already owned uh, because... Russell Wilson is really starting to use him as a weapon uh, that he previously used for uh, Disley. Let's get into our breaking news segment. And we'll start it off with the O.J. Howard in the doghouse. It's just not a good scene over there. Bruce Arians legitimately is uh, not liking what O.J. Howard has to bring to his offense. And Bruce Arians has never been a big uh, person to use the tight end in the first place. But you're just seeing a whole lot of Cameron Bright right now. And, you know, O.J. Howard is, is becoming insignificant. Well, he's been in, insignificant all year. And I don't, please don't be that owner that held on to him all year waiting for things to happen. He really needs to be dropped if you haven't dropped him. And uh, I can see him maybe being benched and not with the team anymore after this year. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to trade him in the offseason. Next is Jordan Howard being hurt. That's, uh, you know, that's a big deal. That's why they signed Jay Ajayi. And that shakes things up a little bit. It also, I think, helps Sanders be in that uh, change of pace back role. And Jay Ajayi could uh, definitely, he already knows the offense. He can be someone that comes in and uh, instantly uh, you get some production from. Uh, David Johnson, this is another situation where it looks like he's the backup to Kenyon Drake. He didn't get any carries and uh, was in a little bit. But if you're a David Johnson owner, you got to be very concerned because he was your first round pick. And now he's just doing mop-up duty for Drake. And I don't think he's too happy about it. And I don't think the Cardinals care that he's not too happy about it. I think they want David Johnson to get healthy. And, you know, David Johnson wants to be healthy, but he also wants to play. And uh, so there's there's some differences of opinion over there in uh, Arizona. Uh, Connor, Juju, and Don Deontay Johnson um, might not play against the Bengals. You know, Steelers offense losing a Big Ben. You know, having not having A B. Uh, Bell hasn't been around for a couple of years, and you know that's a lot of weapons that you, they need to reload with. And then when those weapons are hurt, uh, there's a whole lot of nothing that you have to you know you have to replace it with. So 
I think it opens the door for Snell and James Washington a lot this week, but uh, overall it can't be a good thing for that Steelers offense for any type of continuity. Uh, Trubisky being benched under a hip injury, guys. Now, it's the strangest thing that Mitch Trubisky was doing Mitchell Trubisky things, and then finally it looked like the Bears have had enough. And then it hold up. It wasn't because he was playing so horrible and he was a sucky quarterback. It was because he had a hip injury and Chase Daniel was in because he was relieving him from his, you know, after he was injured. Well, this really opens the door because then you can say, oh, his injury is worse than we thought. He's going to be out longer term, which is fine. I mean, I just think that the way the Bears are going about this is, you know, they're not fooling anybody. And, you know, it, it's not sneaky. And you just need to say, you know, Trubisky's not doing what we need him to do to win right now. We have some work to do. So we need to win now. And that wasn't why the move was made. You know, work with the, if you believe in Trubisky, you know, have him work during the off season to, to get to that uh, point where he can start again. But this offense just needs a boost of some sort because there's a lot of frustration over there. Miles Garrett's suspension, suspended for the rest of the season. Now, I agree with that. You know, you take off your helmet and beat someone, or take off someone else's helmet and then try to beat them over the head, but not only try, but then connect. Um, there definitely needs to be some major consequences for that, because that is called assault. Now, there's a lot of takes out there saying, you know, Mitch, or Mason Rudolph started it, and... You know, uh, he was just being retaliatory from Mason Rudolph getting in his face. And, you know, that's a bunch of garbage, for one. And for two, it doesn't matter what Mason Rudolph did, as long as it was in the confines of playing football or, you know, uh, even the code of conduct of of fighting in sports. You know, it's like the, hap- uh, the Happy Gilmore uh, beginning where he talks about hockey and He's really proud of the fact that he took off his skate and tried to stab somebody. That's the first thing I thought of when uh, I saw, you know, Garrett hit Mason Rudolph over the head with his own helmet. Uh, and actually, uh, I, I was told some friends as well, like, this reminds me of Happy Gilmore right before our eyes. And sure enough, there's a lot of memes and, and posts and, and tweets about, you know, th- that same... Uh, topic, so I'm sure a lot of people were thinking the same thing. Um, but it's still not, you know, it's not funny when you, you know, you watch someone get assaulted on, on live TV, and there definitely needs to be consequences for that, because you definitely can't set a, a, a precedence for players to, to do this in the future. Um, my last thing I want to mention is Tua. His injury, his hip injury, they were comparing it to Bo Jackson's, but then there was a uh, something from the doctors that came out stating that it wasn't like Bo Jackson's. But regardless, he's going to uh, miss the rest of the year and really try to get back for the NFL draft. Now, this kind of throws a wrench in things because everyone was tanking for Tua, and now that he's hurt and he might have a recovery period that's not going to uh, meet expectations... I wonder if that hurts his stock at all and if the teams taking for him are now trying to pivot to t- 
tank for somebody else or maybe even try to win games now that uh, you know they're not sure that Tua will be the quarterback that they they see right now at Alabama once he recovers from that hip injury. And, and hips are kind of a big deal as well. You, you don't want to come in to the NFL with a, a hip injury and, and try to uh, uh, try to play football with uh, with an injury like that. And he definitely, you know, he needs all the time he can get to come back to 100% because uh, you, you don't want to half-ass it out on the field with that type of injury. It, it could get a lot worse. Now let's get into the preview of the start and sits with the Colts and Texans game. I have mixed feelings about this game, and as it's a big divisional game for first place, and you're giving guys like two days to prep for it, these Thursday night games are kind of a joke anyways, and you know, such an important game with no preparation just doesn't make sense to me. And, and I know it's a big money grab by the NFL, but um, I, it could be an enjoyable game even, but I just don't think it benefits either team, especially with what what's at stake in this game. But uh, off my high horse or my cardboard box on that, T.Y. Hilton is looking like he might play, which is big news for the Colts. The, the offense definitely isn't the same without him. He's such a consistent receiver. And he's definitely going to add a boost to this Colts offense if he's able to come back. So definitely look out for that. Um, on that same note, uh, Marlon Mack is supposed to not miss any time. And that's about right. I mean, if you hurt your hand as a running back, you don't really need your hand uh, unless you're trying to catch passes. And I think you can expect to see Marlon Mack out there and playing this week uh, on Thursday against uh, Houston. And um, I, I think he'll play well if he does play, to be honest. But you still want to be looking at Williams, uh, Jonathan Williams, because if Matt can't go, I think Jonathan Williams is a great play here. And on top of everything else, Will Fuller might be making a return, which I think the Texans need him more than anything. Any More than any other team needs a receiver. You know, Juju's out, that hurts, but... I mean, Will Fuller was, he was the one that consistently was the deep threat and kind of opened up the Texans' passing game because you had to account for that. And when he was hurt, you thought maybe Kenny Stills would be that guy and Swiftly was not that guy. So with Will Fuller coming back, he can actually be a big play this week and uh, has a so-so matchup against the Colts. So it's good to see these guys come back. You want to see football with its star players, uh, and it's you know more entertaining that way. So on the Colts offense, you're, you're definitely starting Marlon Mack if he's playing. You're definitely starting T.Y. Hilton. And I think you start Jacoby Brissett. I think he's lined up to have a great game against Houston. Uh, Houston's defense isn't what it was last year. They've had a lot of injuries, and they're just not as good. Uh, they're definitely susceptible to big games, especially uh, through the air. So I think you can start any of those guys, and especially the tight ends. You know, Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron. I, I think they'll have 
productive games. And I think where you're going to start maybe seeing the production fall off is, you know, Zach Pascal hasn't been doing much. And I don't think, you know, if T.Y. comes back that you see much of him anymore in the offense. Uh, he might get a couple targets, but uh, it's going to be the T.Y. Hilton show. And, uh, again, it'll be Marlon Mack, Brissett, and, and the two tight ends. On the the uh, Texan side, I think Deshaun Watson rebounds and has a, at least a top 12 game, uh, top 12 QB type game. So you definitely want to be starting him. And Daniel Fells, uh, I think he's a good play this week against the Colts defense. And then, uh, obviously, if Will Fuller's playing, you definitely want all of Will Fuller and then some. Uh, Will Fuller is the man, gets the most air yards, and I don't think the Colts can defend him. So I, I could even see some touchdowns if he plays. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is DeAndre Hopkins. He's consistent, reliable, uh, just doesn't give him touchdowns. You know, he'll get anywhere from 60 to 90 yards, but uh, his lack of touchdown productions this year has been a killer. And you can expect more of just that that status quo type uh, uh, median from uh, DeAndre Hopkins this week as well. I don't think he gets, sees the end zone, and I think he gets, uh, you know, about 80 uh, 80 yards. Uh, running back, Duke Johnson, not feeling him this week. Uh, Carlos Hyde, on the other hand, I, I think he can get uh, some touchdowns. He's worth a start. I would probably bench Duke Johnson and, and start Carlos Hyde. Hyde is, it doesn't matter who he plays. He, he's been pretty good for the Texans and, and worth a start for sure. A defensive side of the ball, I, I'd pretty much stay away from both defenses on this one. It's not one that I'm excited about. And uh, so defensive-wise, uh, defense there's probably better options that you can stream uh, on the waiver wire. And even like the, you know, the, the Jets matchups or, you know, you look at the crappy teams playing another crappy team, those are uh, sometimes good defenses to stream for the week. Thank you for joining Burke and Miz, the Wiz Montalbans fantasy football podcast this week we will get into the rest of the start and sits for week 12 in a couple days we enjoyed having you and we'll see you soon thanks it's Burke and Mrs. Pickups of the week. Let's get it started. All right, this is going to be kind of a long segment today because there are quite a few people that uh, slipped through the cracks and weren't drafted. That looks to uh, looks like they're going to have some value moving forward. And I always try to be a couple weeks ahead because there's no sense telling you to pick up someone when uh, they're already right on the radar, red hot. And a couple of these guys will be. I mean, it's week one, but uh, I wanted to also give you some guys that. Uh, you can pick up now that will uh, benefit you in a week or you know a couple weeks, and uh, you won't have to play that waiver wire game. So that's the goal with uh, this segment is to keep you one step ahead of everybody else. 
And at quarterback, the very first ad is Tua Tagavola for the Dolphins. Fitzpatrick played horrible against New England, and it was against New England, so you know you got to cut him a break. But they're already screaming in Miami for Tua, and you know who knows when that's going to be. But if Fitzpatrick struggles like he did in Week One, it's going to be sooner than later. So if you wanted to take a chance on a rookie QB, uh, I think you know with the quarterback situation, Tua is the guy that uh, probably has the quickest road to playing, uh, barring injury, of course. And then having said the same thing with Tua, it's the guy that was drafted, uh, or the next quarterback drafted after him, Justin Herbert. Tyrod Taylor didn't show me anything against Cincinnati. I was really disappointed. If he keeps that up, you're going to see Justin Herbert a lot faster than what you would like. And if if there's any interest in him, you you might want to grab him now because I really think that Tyrod will even have a shorter leash than Fitzpatrick. And this would be the time to grab him. And, And you might not even be able to, or you might be able to grab him without using a waiver wire priority. You can grab him after the waiver period and just pick him up and uh, you know stash him on your bench uh, for when the, the time comes, but it's looking like it's close. So moving on to running back, I have Malcolm Brown as the number one pick to get this week all the way around the board. And I will be honest, I loved Malcolm Brown before the season. You know, I already talked about that in the, earlier in this segment. And he just kind of proved it to me with his play uh, against the Cowboys. I mean, Dallas is a pretty good defense, and uh, Malcolm Brown was the most effective. I mean, Cam Akers didn't look very good. Daryl Henderson still hurt. And I realize that there's still the, uh, I guess, the scare of a committee. And one game doesn't make, doesn't change that. Uh, it could still be a committee. But uh, Malcolm Brown looks like the best back, and if he keeps playing like he did against Dallas, he's going to uh, kind of put that committee to rest because you need to get him the ball. So definitely jump on Malcolm Brown. My second running back I would jump on right away is Naheem Hines for the Colts. Uh, Marlon Mack, obviously you can drop him, or if you have an IR slot, put him on there. He hurt his Achilles, so he's out for the year. And everyone knows I like Marlon Mack a lot. I uh, wasn't big on Jonathan Taylor. Everyone's going to uh, pump up Jonathan Taylor on this. And, you know, I actually am higher on Jonathan Taylor now because there, there's not as many running backs. So just, you know, attrition, based off of attrition, I, I like uh, Jonathan Taylor more than I did. I still like Naheem Hines more. He's a better pass catcher. He does everything. Jonathan Taylor doesn't. It's kind of like sirens blaring through the stadium when he shows, you know, goes into the huddle that it's going to be a run play to him because he can't do anything else like block and catch the ball and he, and he fumbles, of course, you know, you, you've heard all the things I don't like about him. Um, those are still there. So he's already drafted though. So you don't have to worry about picking him up. Naheem Hines, uh, is drafted in some leagues, but he's available in a lot of leagues. So he's someone you need to uh, keep an eye on. I have Benny Snell next for the Steelers. James Conner was hurt yet again after three series. And this is just a common theme with him. You can't trust him to stay on the field. That was, you know, I ranked him pretty low starting off at running back because of this. I started warming up a little bit, thinking that it couldn't be three years in a row that he, he would battle injury. And 
he's proven me wrong. Benny Snell looked like a beast, and Mike Tomlin rides the hot hand. He's going to play who uh, is going to win and, and be most effective. So uh, I actually wouldn't be surprised if we start to see Benny Snell more the next game. So he, he's someone that you really need to keep on your radar. I would actually waste a waiver priority on him. He can be uh, a league changer if he does get that starting job. So it's worth the risk. Unfortunately, in my league, he was already picked up before the game. And uh, a smart move on uh, my uh, my competition. James Robinson, he's my next one for Jacksonville. You know, Chris Thompson, there was a lot of buzz for him. He only had, like, two catches the whole day, didn't get any carries. James Robinson was your guy. He got the bulk of the uh, volume for at the running back position for Jacksonville. You need to own him. I get that it's Jacksonville, and uh, again, it's uh, Jay Gruden, and he doesn't like to run the ball or use the running back as much as other teams, but it's still an effective piece to have. So if you're hurting that running back, James Robinson's a good get. And then after that, I have Miles Gaskins for the Dolphins. We were all on the Matt Breida train or the Jordan Howard train, and Jordan Howard did score on a goal line touchdown, and, and that's going to be his MO all year. He's going to be the touchdown vulture. And that's why I have Gaskins rated lower. If he was going to score more goal line carries, I would rate him higher. But he looks like he's going to be the guy in Miami over Breida and Howard. And so that volume you can't ignore. He's someone that is interesting to get. And so I have him rated fourth at running back. And then at fifth, I have Josh Adams for the Jets. Le'Veon Bell's on IR, unfortunately. And, you know, Adam Gase doesn't want Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell doesn't want to be there anymore. And when that happens, you know you know Le'Veon Bell. But he's already on IR for at least three more weeks. And Josh Adams is the guy. He, he had the most productive week in the backfield for the Jets. Frank Gore is still going to spell him some, so it's not all Josh Adams' job. But I just feel like Josh Adams is going to be the main back for the Jets volume-wise, and, and Frank Gore will come in to spell. So he, he's worth an add. On offense for receiver, I have Russell Gage for the Falcons. And... People are probably wondering why I have him so high. Well, the Falcons, you know, Hayden Hurst was a bust, and he was almost on my ghosts of the week because he had a real disappointing week. He was also one of my starts for FanDuel, so I'm extra bitter about that, and I'll talk about that later. But, uh, yeah, Russell Gage had 12 targets at the slot position. So it's looking like they're, at least for this game, didn't look at the tight end position as much and were – we're using that third receiver, which is good because Russell Gage is actually a good receiver. I, I like him a lot. And you team him up with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, and that's a potent offense and a potent trio to uh, to rely upon. So, uh, And as bad as the Falcons' defense is, I think that's going to you know really help their offense and having to uh, score a lot of points. So Russell Gage is not a one-week wonder. I think he's here to stay. You need to look at him. You don't just get 12 targets one week and disappear. So um, definitely look at that. Paris Campbell, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. was the hot target, but Paris Campbell is the one that got the targets from Phillip Rivers. And I think he's being undervalued right now. He's available in a lot of leagues. 
I think you need to go and get him. And uh, he needs to be on your radar for a, a waiver wire ad. Corey Davis is the next one for the Titans. I was watching Monday night, and I just kept waiting for A.J. Brown. And I kept waiting for A.J. Brown. And for the first, like, two and a half quarters, it was all Corey Davis. And Corey Davis looked great. He had 10 targets. And he definitely didn't look like the receiver of last year where he was kind of a forgotten commodity. So Corey Davis went undrafted in a lot of leagues. I would definitely look at that as an option. You know, a number two receiver on the Titans isn't, you know, isn't going to win you weeks necessarily, but uh, he could be a solid addition to your roster and, and be uh, productive. I have LaVishka Chenault at receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I just like what he brings. He's talented. I really liked uh, Gardner Minshew in that offense against the Colts. The Colts are a pretty good defense, and they looked efficient and effective. And Chenault looked like he could be the big play guy for him. And that potential is something you need to definitely consider. And uh, he could be worth getting before he really blows up and it, it makes it a little more costly to try to attain him. So I do it now while... Uh, you know, there's still not a lot of buzz around him, and uh, have him on your roster for for when uh, you know he does uh, he continues this trend, and uh, he you know people are looking for him. Brian Edwards is my last person, and I know what everyone's thinking. Oh, you're on the Brian Edwards train all year, and then he goes and throws a dud against the Raiders, and you're gonna double down on it. And I am, I guess, in a way, but I'm doubling down on it on the fact that he was. Uh, a part of the offense for more snaps than any other receiver for the Raiders. He, uh, you know, the passing plays, he was out there for more of the passing plays than any other receiver. So that volume to me means something. And I'm willing to look off this week and keep throwing them out there. Uh, on top of that, if he's, you know, he's not drafted on uh, in your league, He's something you, someone you really need to look at because you don't get that volume off the waiver wire very often. And, again, if he, with that volume, he starts blowing up and he, he might not be available later. So why not get him now while he's dirt cheap? You don't even have to waste a waiver priority because people aren't going to think about him. And you're going to pick up a guy that's the number one receiver on the Raiders team who likes to pass the ball and they like to mix it up and he's, could be a great option, and and I'm still, like I said, I'm still high on him. Uh, I would look at this week as an anomaly. If this continues, then you, you can come back at me, and uh, I'll admit I was wrong, but uh, statistic-wise, nothing shows me that uh, he's not going to be an effective receiver for the Raiders this year. At tight end, my first one is Logan Thomas for the Redskins. I doubt he was drafted in very many leagues, if at all, if you're at least drafting uh, 15 rounds. And uh, he looked like a legitimate weapon for the Redskins. I liked what I saw. I think uh, that's just going to continue. And the Redskins offense has always used the, the tight end. You know, through, since I was a kid, they've always used the tight end. So Logan Thomas is definitely that number one tight end there. He was effective. He looked good. He's, uh, he's worth, a, he's worth a, a get, especially if you have someone like Gronkowski that you need to drop or you know, another one of these tight ends that were disappointing. You know, Kittle. Kittle's hurt, and uh, we'll get to that soon, but he might be a good pickup now that uh, you're not going to have Kittle for a couple weeks. Number two, I have O.J. Howard, 
And I get that he's drafted in most leagues, but there's still more than uh, there's more leagues than I'm comfortable with of him not being drafted. And he looks like the go-to guy for the the Buccaneers. He just uh, he had the touchdown, uh, had more targets than Gronkowski. I think O.J. Howard is going to have a great year with Tom Brady. This isn't Jameis Winston getting him the ball. It's Tom Brady, and Tom Brady likes his tight ends. So if he's available, I think O.J. Howard is a solid addition that you need to pick up. Uh, Next is Jordan Reed for the 49ers. He is a great tight end. He was a great tight end for the Redskins. Concussions is what kind of held him back. Now that Kittle was hurt, he's going to miss this week for sure, maybe even a couple weeks after that. Jordan Reed is the get at tight end. I think he will have an amazing game. Uh, and not that he's George Kittle by any means, but you know, if you need a quick uh, fix at tight end, he'll provide that for a couple weeks. And then you know, when Kittle comes back, you can drop him. But Jordan Reed has some value, and he's worth a, an add at the, uh, the tight end position. Uh, I'm not going to talk about kicker. I'm not going to talk about defense. Um, that's not what we do here. But uh, as of right now, there's a lot of additions you can make that can really help your team. And if you really have a dud player like, you know, Baker Mayfield or, uh, like I said, Kittle being hurt, uh, Marlon Mack out for the year, these are some additions you can make to make your team better. Who do I start this week? What's the point spread? What are the injuries? Should I bench this guy? I don't know what to do. Man. I just hope I win. The Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban Weekly Preview Starting now. Here's the preview for the Thursday night game, and it is the Cincinnati Bengals at the Cleveland Browns, and the Cleveland Browns are favored by six points, and I don't like that one bit. I'm picking the Bengals to win this one, or I shouldn't say win this one, but at least cover the spread at six. I don't know who's going to win this one. It's two pretty bad teams. But uh, I think, again, that uh, it's going to be close. Uh, I guess close in mediocrity. But I say that I think it has a lot of fantasy relevance. I think it's good matchups for both teams. And you need to be starting a lot of players in this contest. Like, you know, if you have Baker Mayfield, I get you might even be dropping him at this point. But he has a great matchup against the Bengals. And, and you know, you thought Tyrod Taylor did too. I get it. But... Uh, he might not be a bad play here. Nick Chubb, Cream Hunt, I really like in this matchup. I like both of the running backs. I think you need to play them and be confident about that. And then at receiver, yeah, I mean, Beckham and Landry. I I like Odell Beckham. I like Jarvis Landry in this one. We'll see. Uh, Austin Hooper had a quiet day. Maybe he can rebound against the Bengals and do something. 
uh, especially with Joku being on IR. You definitely need to watch that. If you have Joku, place him in your your IR or even drop him at this point. Uh, he's not going to be available. So definitely need to make note of that. And Cincinnati side, I like you know I like Joe Mixon. I think he has a solid game. I like Joe Burrow. Um, I obviously wouldn't start him over a lot of other quarterback options, but I I think he can have a pretty good game against Cleveland, and that includes AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, and you know uh, CJ Azuma maybe potentially. I mean I, I never want to give endorsement to him, even though like I said he's a good blocker. Uh, but uh, I, I think all the way around you're having good matchups, and I'm trying to think of someone that you would bench in this matchup, and I mean. Baker Mayfield, maybe because he's a bad quarterback, but matchup-wise, it's a great matchup. And, you know, if I was willing to start Trubisky last week uh, on a good matchup, I, I have to do the same for Mayfield. And uh, that's just how I feel about it. It's uh, it's it's an intriguing game, like I said, fantasy-wise, and I think it's going to uh, – both defenses might look bad after this one. Of course, it is the AFC North, so maybe it turns into a defensive battle and nobody can score, and it's just uh, – you know, two offenses are bogged down. It's really up in the air. But regardless of that, I'm uh, definitely picking the Bengals in the six points. And, you know, if I have any of those guys I mentioned, I'm I'm starting them. And uh, I'll deal with the consequences later. But uh, for a Thursday night matchup, uh, it's going to be a pretty relevant, relevant one for uh, fantasy-wise and, and one to monitor for sure. This is our last segment of the podcast today. Just want to go over some of the picks that I had from the previous week. I ended up going 11-5. and five. I feel pretty good about it. I mean, 11-5 and five isn't too bad. It would have been 11-4, and four, but that Denver-Tennessee game, you know, I said Denver would, would win outright. They didn't. Uh, Tennessee was favored by one and a half points. They won by two. Pains me. Really thought I was going to get that one. Didn't work out. But uh also had one go the other way where I had the Raiders over Carolina and covering the, the three points. And they won by four. And I just, you know, didn't have faith in Carolina's defense. And that's what uh, got me over the, the hump on that one. So I'll take 11-5. and five. I feel like that's a good start. What isn't a good start, and I don't even want to talk about, is my fan duel lineup. I, you know, mentioned Miles Sanders. He didn't even play, so I had to pivot from him and put in Marlon Mack like I recommended, and then Marlon Mack got hurt. I had Hayden Hurst, who had an amazing matchup against the Seahawks and didn't do anything. It was a Russell Gage show at uh, slot receiver. And then, you know, I had Josh Jacobs, but everybody had Josh Jacobs, so that was really a play just to keep me relevant uh, and keep me in the money if my other guys produced which they didn't, and I had Michael Thomas, which, you know, we, we talked about. He was one of our ghosts, really uh, had a disappointing day, despite the amazing matchup against the Buccaneers secondary, and, you know, Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. That was a, a tough break as well, and I had some matchups with Russell Wilson, and that helped, but even having that matchup, uh, my other guys just didn't fall through. So it's uh, it ends the the good run and the streak that I had previously. So uh, time to start the uh, the new streak 
starting on week two, and I'll give you my picks uh, in the, the next podcast. And uh, that should do it for the show.